You are listening to the Wellacopia podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Network. I'm Eva Minkoff, your host and fibromyalgia warrior. On this podcast, I have candid conversations about chronic illness with both patients and practitioners. In other words, people. I'm also the founder of Wellacopia.com, the matching site for healthcare relationships. We connect wellness seekers like you with the integrative providers best suited to be your partners in care. Wellacopia providers are referred by the community. We bring on the best medical and wellness practitioners who are known for their high value care, and the majority of them are accessible through telehealth, if not available nearby. Visit wellacopia.com to match with your dream doctor, nutritionist, therapist, and more. In today's episode, I speak with M and Kate Miller, co-authors of the blog and YouTube channel, To Being Healthy. Forced into non-traditional careers by chronic illnesses, which include lupus, mast cell activation disorder, EDS, and POTS, M and Kate's blog and YouTube channels are a mix of practical tips, product testing, and solutions they found for their own struggles. Em and Kate are passionate about encouraging people to feel comfortable advocating for themselves. So today they share their journey, as well as tips on how to be an advocate for yourself as a patient, and the importance of community support. Just a reminder that all conversations and health claims on this podcast are based on individual experiences and expertise. Everyone has their own personal and professional truths and should be treated as such. Okay? Let's get started. So for the medical side of things, I was diagnosed with lupus towards my later teenage years. And it kind of started with being really, really flu-like, completely bed-bound, not able to function in day-to-day life, nothing like what I could do previously, nothing like a normal teenage life. So I got hit really, really kind of quickly and then was just couldn't really leave my room, couldn't leave my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a couple of months to get diagnosed with with that. Yeah. And you, I mean, we both were diagnosed at 17 and M was an athlete prior, very yeah, active. Super active. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the first turn into the chronic illness world. And, you know, from there, Kate was shortly diagnosed after that. Um, and then just, we didn't know at the time, but typically you, you'll get more than one autoimmune condition or it leads to other things. So, um, so yeah, so I was diagnosed with lupus. Kate was then diagnosed with lupus. Kate then diagnosed with POTS, which then kind of clustered into EDS and mast cell. And kind of in between that, Emily was, I think, realizing, oh, I have these so, symptoms. Yeah. So after she mm-hmm. got diagnosed with POTS, um, I was kind of saying, oh my gosh, this her symptoms mirror so much of what I have. At that point, I was, so for those who don't know, POTS stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And it basically means your heart rate increases upon standing and your blood pressure will typically plummet. So most often people with POTS feel best laying down. So their heart rate can kind of stabilize and their blood pressure can stabilize. So before I was typically diagnosed, I was basically crawling to the bathroom because I was blacking out upon standing and I just 
couldn't get around. I knew Kate had caught, so it seemed very similar to what I was experiencing. And then um, I, when I got officially diagnosed, my blood pressure was 60 over 40. So I was like barely Whoa. conscious at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of bizarre that our conditions are so, so similar. We still experience different kind of offshoots. Kate deals more with migraines. I deal more with muscle mm-hmm. pains, but the kind of overarching umbrella of it all is very similar. So um, started in late teenage years and yeah, we both kind of almost mirrored with that both around 17. So late high school years of diagnosis. Yeah. Um, you guys are two years apart, right? We're yeah, yeah. a little over two years. Um, and then I just really kind of saw what Emma was going through with lupus. I uh, remember at a doctor at the time and she's like, oh, it's very unlikely it's going to be within the family. Yeah. We'll <laughs> test you, but I mean, which is now we know is very not true, but she's like, oh, it's super uncommon. And I remember getting that phone call and then right away, try to get into the same rheumatologist. Yeah. Um, he's still our rheumatologist. He's amazing now. Um, and he really guided us through this path. Yeah. Um, but that was really shocking at the time because we didn't know that how at all common it was in the genetic matter or how how many, I guess, uh, diagnoses that we would have that were similar yeah. to this point. And then kind of hindsight is twenty twenty mm-hmm. because once you get the diagnosis, you are able to look back and see kind of all the things that have plagued you through life that just fit under the certain conditions that we have. Completely. And so many things, even in childhood, uh, we would constantly be dislocated, like our shoulders would pop out all our ankles. And that's so much with the EDS. Um, We didn't know how not normal that was. And looking back, we're like, we've had little shadows of everything kind of until our late teens and diagnosis age. Yeah. Um, Just that we kind of were just adapting and kind of had that in our new normal. We thought that was a common yeah thing. we were just in casks literally mm-hmm. all the time and um even something as simple our mom would hold our hands to cross the street and our shoulders would pop out it was just so common for us and now we know so eds is ehlers-danlos and it you um hyperextend you yes your joints are relaxed mm-hmm. so it's i mean it's just all been such a huge learning curve and now we're at the point where we kind of it's more our normal and we just kind of tweak the day-to-day normal mm-hmm. things and I mean we're up and about we're not bed bound anymore so you know with time it just has come so much more understanding of these so conditions much. and what we can do. I think you guys are really pioneers in the um, making the new normal a positive experience uh, and that's because your your site your blog uh, to being healthy is all about self-care and what are the different ways that you can um, work with and for your condition, your life, um, despite the negatives that go along with it. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that came to be and, and your, your vision for to being healthy? I think, um, so much of the time when people hear, you know, chronic illness, they have a picture of what someone looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's basically, you know, completely bed bound, not able to do anything, not able to interact with people, no hobbies or activities. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so untrue. And most people who have chronic illnesses will be so different than that picture. So we kind of wanted to really break the stigma and say, we both have multiple mm-hmm. chronic conditions. 
And no one could tell by looking at us. No one could tell most often by interacting with Mm -hmm. us. So we wanted to showcase that other side of our lives. Yeah, that's a big thing too. Not just having the chronic illness, but having invisible chronic illnesses that it's really hard for people to fully understand that, you know, we might look normal. We might look like our friends, but we're not able to maybe keep up or do something might have to be tweaked for us. And that was a huge a huge thing to even uh, kind of have people around us, our very closest friends, our family kind of understand that maybe why could we do something an hour ago, but now we can't, or we could do something yesterday and now we can't get out of bed. So just kind of that, it's, it's a huge learning yeah, for, for those around us. It's stigmas that we mm-hmm. deal with constantly in our day-to-day life with boyfriends and friends. And mm-hmm. we're kind of always explaining um, that even though it's something we've been dealing with for you know over a decade, it, we're still learning. We're st- we still don't know why one day we can do something completely fine, the next day we're crashed. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff's a puzzle piece to us. So we're just kind of trying to showcase a lot that you, you can be really ill one day, you can do something the next. That doesn't mean you're not sick. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're healthy. Chronic illness is such a a broad term mm-hmm. that you know shows that we can be, you know, ill and that, and just that it's an ongoing constant struggle and constant battle that, you know, it's so much internal. And like Em said, there's such a stigma that, you know, I think a lot of times people think if you're in a wheelchair or you see something and we always joke like, oh, we wish we had like a little like light flashing or something that people would know, oh, wow, she's having a flare, she's sick or something like that, just so they could kind of get it because so much of the time it is something that we you know internalize and that's the whole thing about why we wanted to create this because you feel so isolated um, dealing with this and even having each other we still felt isolated with we you know we weren't interacting with people that had any of the conditions I we never you know knew anyone that had close to us that had anything that we had like pots or lupus or even though this is a more common thing we weren't interacting with people that were going through that or were struggling, you know, just showering or that had experiences, you know, not being able to get out of bed or having to do, you know, homeschool stuff or online courses, just stuff that we've had to kind of adapt to. So just kind of creating a, that was kind of why we wanted to create to being healthy. Especially getting this Mm -hmm. young, because, you know, that's the time in your life when you feel like you're supposed to be able to do Mm -hmm. so much. So having this kind of different, ability than so many people you're surrounded with does feel like oh my gosh I'm the only person who's mm-hmm. going through something like this you know obviously I hate so that's been a massive massive comfort but it is still like you feel so different than everyone else and then through the years we feel like we've kind of changed our perspective a bit where we don't mm-hmm. feel as you know abnormal in a sense mm-hmm. and we feel like or even living these double lives we were very I think me especially very secretive about what we were going through and uh, not sharing and not really oh, yeah. opening so, up. And you feel like you're living a double life and that on its own, it's exhausting. We've actually, it's funny because mm-hmm. now we're very, very open and we love advocating mm-hmm. and saying, um, you know, I don't feel well, but you can look put together and kind of showing that side of things. But prior to that, we were very secretive about it and not nearly as comfortable um, kind of explaining in detail and mm-hmm. t- talking about the health side of stuff. Um, I don't really know why. I think it happens a lot with people that you just kind of like to go, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yes, I can do this. And just then go home and cry or mm-hmm. 
cry to your best friend and tell them all the details. And then to everyone else, you go, yes, I'm great. I'm great. And it just got to a point where that wasn't really working for us anymore. And, um, and then it felt really kind of good to take that empowered feeling and showcase um, all the things that we were feeling in this, you know, double part of our life. And then through it, we found so many people going through very, very similar things. And then since the time that we started, um, when we were diagnosed, we also felt like we've learned a tremendous amount going through, you know, bad doctors going through tiny treatment plans and different medications and, you know, little things that worry for us, Mm -hmm. little avenues we found very beneficial. So um, we really, really wanted to share that with people who might be going through something Mm -hmm similar in any way and show you know this has helped me it's just stuff we wish we knew earlier Mm -hmm. what and what are some examples of uh uh different things that you share on your blog what do you guys like to talk about what do people seem to like to hear about the most yeah we do i mean we love to share um you know products we we've tried and helped us a lot of you know maybe something that's helped with like electrolytes that help our blood pressure or uh, red lights that have helped, you know, healing with joints. So like mm-hmm. I mentioned stuff as, um, stuff like products that have helped mm-hmm. us all the way to stuff that we wish we knew going into a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. and how maybe to get the most out of a doctor's appointments, because those time slots have become so precious for us. And if we are not seeing, you know, our cardiologist for six months or four months and you have half mm-hmm. an hour with them, it's very important that that appointment goes well and you leave feeling like, okay, I got everything Mm -hmm. said that I need to say, and you don't leave in tears with frustration because that's happened to us so many times. And then as soon as you leave, you go, oh my gosh, I have to wait another four months. That didn't go right. I feel like I didn't say the things I needed to say. So kind of all over the map of the medical world and really advocating for yourself because we we definitely learned that along the way that we always thought, you know, they're medical professional, they must know best or they, you know, but we've learned that we have to definitely advocate for ourselves, um, listen to our bodies and really, you know, try to convey that to whoever we may be seeing, if it's an ER doctor or our actual doctor, because not every time you see someone, they, you know, necessarily are well-versed in your condition or know what you might need. And then we kind of learned also what we touched upon briefly earlier was, you know, even though Kate and I have the same conditions by name, our symptoms can be kind of wildly different. And a lot of the time doctors kind of don't give credit to that. Each person is more of like a snowflake that they may attribute everyone who has POTS to fitting this mold. Mm -hmm. Not, Not true at all. Yeah, not true. I mean, we have similar diagnosis, but our treatment plans are extremely different. What we can tolerate is extremely different sensitivities. I mean, really a lot, so many things we're only on a few different medications, even that are the same. And um, even things that are more natural might work for you better and yeah. don't work for me as much or vice versa. So it's really just a kind of trial and error that we've seen for our, each other and yeah. kind of through this community as well. So we really want to kind mm-hmm. of push the being able to advocate for yourselves. And if a doctor you know, dismisses you in that aspect to show people that no one knows their body better than you know your body. And that, you know, it takes a a really long time to learn. And it takes, it took us, you know, many bad doctor's appointments to kind of learn that fact. So just to 
you know, and as we got this in teenage years and, you know, as a teenage girl, it's, you don't feel necessarily, or we didn't mm -hmm. empowered enough to say, to kind of fight back to all these stigmas or stereotypes. So we wanted to put it out there that, um, you can definitely do that. You know, you know, mm -hmm. your body better than anyone you're living in it 24 seven. No one should be dismissing the stuff you have to say mm -hmm. because you're saying it from the most real place. I, uh, yeah, I looked at your, the uh, doctor appointments are top 10 tips and that was so wonderfully done. You both your, your video and your blog posts uh, oh, really going into detail about, um, well, how to advocate for yourself and be prepared. And actually, I love that the first tip was, um, it, what was it? Don't wear makeup yes, or yeah. don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically don't do yourself up. You want to be as raw as possible about how you look so that, um, they, they have a better idea, even though we like to yes. dress up when we go. I know I do like, regardless yeah. of how I feel. You want to go out looking, you know, somewhat put together, yeah, hiding, you know, circles in your eyes or this, you know, stuff you get a lot. But right. it's so important for doctors mm -hmm. to see that because even, even with lupus, we, when I was, mm -hmm, before I was diagnosed or on treatment for a while, I had the butterfly rash, which is when you get really pink cheeks. And, you know, my instinct would be to completely cover that up. So you just learn through time. Go in mm -hmm. looking bad. Go in just so they can see you. And then, mm -hmm. they're, you know, doctors' minds work different than our minds. They're more scientists. It could be a clue that we would think nothing of, but it's very important for them to see. So exactly, that was something we definitely didn't even realize we were doing. And even at the nail polish, like little things that I was like, oh, they really should see, you know, everything. Yeah, and little details. Kate's had a doctor for mm -hmm. wanting to look at her nails, so now she doesn't wear nail polish. Just little things. So just now we like to kind of strip it, strip it down, be bare, and just yeah, go in looking like crap and. That's fine. Yeah. Really yeah. Looking like crap. That is, that is a good tip. <laughs> I like it. Um, so what about some other typical tips um, or recommendations that you give people? What do you, what is asked for maybe the most? So I would say um, an important thing that we do now is go in with notes about everything and start it a few weeks prior to your doctor's appointments because things will pop up in your mind and just kind of jot everything down that you want to cover. So when you leave, you know, you've covered every topic, addressed every point mm -hmm. of pain or symptom that you've kind of had a question about. And then in addition to that, make notes of your symptoms because it's so difficult to recall how you were a few weeks ago, how you were on this bad day. Mm -hmm. So kind of the way people might track food and kind of see patterns like that, track your symptoms. And even if it's like just a line a day, so you can kind of give the doctor an overlying pattern of what your typical day looks like, what your pain levels look like, what your heart rate or blood pressure might be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get a lot of um, this kind of DMs or messages asking what to ask for even, like what tests to, you know, they think they might have a certain condition that we're suffering from or what to ask their doctor for, mm -hmm. or even what kind of specialists we're looking for. We get a lot of questions in that kind of yeah. field. Um, Kind of just everything from the basis of, you know, being pre-diagnosed with something and how to kind of navigate that world because it can be super overwhelming and we were really overwhelmed when we were in that beginning stages as well. Yeah, like so Kate mentioned, um, mm -hmm. we do get a lot of questions like that and we wanted to kind of empower the people who think they have this to be able to know the tests to ask for because 
Unfortunately, the thing with POTS is it does take typically years and years to be diagnosed because it is mistaken for anxiety. And especially in women, the diagnosis is even longer, unfortunately. So for guys, Mm -hmm. it takes many less years to get diagnosed and but I think it's like 90% women so mm-hmm. um so a lot of the times you know we get it gets dismissed as anxiety because your body is acting like it's having a panic attack even if your head is very very calm because your heart is racing it's kind of in that fight or flight mode your body adrenaline yeah your mm-hmm. adrenaline skyrocketing your body is in fight or flight so it gets brushed under the rug. Oh, it's like adrenaline. It's an adrenaline or it's an anxiety thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to, and we still, even with diagnosis, oh, yeah. di- being diagnosed, we still get told this. I was in the ER last month and the ER doctor said, oh, so you just have anxiety with my chart, yeah. with me explaining things. Yeah. And I, I had that happen, like, I think almost two years ago now, I was getting, I was in the ER, I knew I needed IV fluids, because that's something that really helps me if I'm having a bad flare. And the doctor I was seeing at the time said that POTS wasn't even a thing. And I was at the Mayo Clinic for a full-on uh, POTS autonomic workshop. I mean, I was diagnosed multiple times in at, I mean, Mayo Clinic of all places, and he just had no... Uh, would not even listen to what I was saying or in my papers and I had charts with me and completely just it, it was you know it kind of just happens which is shocking at this point so mm-hmm. yes yeah we're, we're at a point now where yes it does it does bug mm-hmm. us but we have our doctors we have our diagnosis we mm-hmm. kind of it doesn't affect us massively but for the people who aren't diagnosed or don't know what they have mm-hmm. I can imagine it being incredibly incredibly yeah. frustrating so we wanted to say you know if you think you have this this is what to do. Ask for this test, check your heart rate, all these things. So mm-hmm. they are able to go to a doctor and kind of ask for something specific. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with some of our posts that we've done in the past that, you know, you, you might think you have this diagnosis, like this, these are tips that we've done uh, that might help you. Or then once you are diagnosed, now what to do, like how, where do you go about it? Cause that can be really hard to navigate as well. Just that, okay you know, you are diagnosed and everything seems so overwhelming and all the research out there sometimes is so contradictory of what to do or what to eat. So we kind of wanted a to guideline that would help us at least. Yeah, we want to kind of bridge down mm-hmm. the next steps because in that work in that medical world, anytime you hear something new, you're not going to be where you are in a year from now when you kind of learn mm-hmm. your body, learn the condition better. So we wanted to kind of put out this rules in the beginning of what to do as soon as you get the diagnosis how to get yourself to that point in the future where you feel more comfortable with mm-hmm. it as soon as possible because when you get there everything gets less overwhelming Every, you know what helps your body mm-hmm. you know if you're having a flare-up or a horrible few days what to do to kind of help pull yourself yeah. out a bit more we always say it's little uh little tweaks little adjustments to kind of get us in that you'll say like a little level or, you know, that you're hanging a, a photo, that little perfect zone we try to stay in between. And it's all those little tweaks um, that we've made that kind of gets us in that realm. And we know now if something takes us off on, you know, on either side, how to get back to that middle point to our, to our normal. Mm-hmm. With like, I like to play devil's advocate. So what would this look like from the, the doctor's side and how can we basically work together? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately time is an issue right like we have like it depends on the doctor but um, sometimes we have seven minutes sometimes we have 30 minutes sometimes we have an hour Mm -hmm. Um, 
those times when we have, let's say, a seven-minute visit, mm -hmm. how do you approach those, um, whether it's an, a new doctor or so? I guess when you're seeing them as a follow-up, you probably have an easier time. But yeah, let's say it is a new doctor that's highly recommended, but you know you don't have that long with them. Mm -hmm. um, so in those cases, I would say know them you're not going to be able to go through your entire rap sheet of every symptom you're feeling. So pick your most important thing that you don't want to leave and not have mentioned and not have talked about because it's true. You don't always have the most time in the world or you don't have access to ask the doctor every single question. Mm -hmm. So start with the most important thing and work your way back from there. So even if you don't get everything covered and even if you leave frustrated, you're not going to leave the most frustrated having not talked about maybe what's plaguing you the most mm -hmm. or your biggest question, your biggest um, symptom of pain. Mm -hmm. Yes. So work your way back backwards from that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, another thing we kind of put out there a lot because a lot of people feel so misunderstood by the doctor or not heard or not listened to or not respected. You know, we always say it is such a partnership. And if you really feel that you're not being mm -hmm. listened to, you're not being, they're not taking what you're saying seriously, look for another doctor because you need to feel like you have someone who has your back, who you trust, who kind of gets what you're going through to a huge extent as much as they can. Yeah, if the trust isn't there and, and, and I have experiences, there's, you're kind of, you feel alone in it and of all, of all relationships, you want to feel that your doctor and you have a trust within each other and that you know what you're saying is being taken seriously and that your complaints are being heard and your symptoms because you don't want to you know leave like I'm said being frustrated and feeling like gosh I don't know if they're really understanding what you know what pain you might be going through or what symptom you might be going through trust is everything with that yeah and it's funny because we kind of always say that often mm -hmm. that you know if you don't have that doctor leave it's so you know don't leave crying all these things mm -hmm. we're at a point now where we have an amazing rheumatologist and a cardiologist who mean so much mm -hmm. to us because we really do have that trust and feel they have our back so it's not coming from a place that we don't have doctors that we really admire and feel comfortable with now it's maybe through oh you had to see an endocrinologist here a different doctor here and have had horrible experiences. Mm -hmm. We didn't just start with these doctors that we have now. Um, so we like the position where we're in with who we have, but that doesn't mean yeah, we haven't had. It took a while to get there yeah. with some doctors. And I mean, we definitely went through the ringer with some of our uh, medical professionals that we've oh, seen, yeah. you know, some wanting to do surgeries and some wanting to do yeah. just some crazy stuff that now looking back, I think, goodness, yeah, you know, we, we went for that second opinion or what with our gut that, you know, this doesn't seem right for us. And we're really, really thankful that we didn't go down some of those paths that we could have gone down. So we're not saying, you know, mm -hmm. don't listen to the doctor, but find one that you feel very comfortable listening mm -hmm. to, that you have that trust in. Because the ones that you just don't feel kind of that it's a two-way street kind of thing, then maybe start looking through other avenues for mm -hmm. someone that you do feel that thing with. Because like Kate said, you know, um, we've left crying, people completely dismissing us, telling us we're wrong, telling us, even that the symptoms we're telling them mm -hmm. is not true. And it's mm -hmm. just the most frustrating thing in the world when, because usually for specialists, for have, you wait months mm -hmm. and you put so much hope and 
emphasis on this tiny amount of time. And if you're being dismissed or told that, you know, that's impossible, that's not right, Mm -hmm. then that's not good enough for you. You know, you're the one going through potentially debilitating symptoms. So you need that form of help and support Mm -hmm. within the doctor. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny that we got on this topic because I wasn't really intending going there, but we just, you just reiterated exactly what I was um, presenting actually this morning. So I had to um, do like a business presentation on Wellacopia and I decided to start out by giving a story. And my story as succinctly as possible is that um, I, I put them in the space of me in 2010, I was sitting on the, um, you know, the, the, the patient bed of this rheumatologist office. He was Harvard trained, Park Avenue doctor, uh, highly referred or recommended. Yes. Uh, and I was panicking. I was like, I was preparing my monologue, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's been, it was 10 years at that point, I went undiagnosed and I was like, okay, I finally got this appointment. I got to tell this doctor everything he needs to know as fast as possible. So he'll listen to me. Mm-hmm. And long story short, within like a few minutes, I think he was poking and prodding a bit while I'm talking. And then he decided to tell me that I have runner's knee. Um, I have hypermobility syndrome. So I have, yeah. I, well, I haven't been tested for EDS. I hope I don't have EDS, but some say I have mild mm-hmm. EDS. Anyway, you get the, yeah. the, in addition to fibro. And I was just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And because I was like, I don't have runner's knee. I, I know you're a doctor, but like it hurts everywhere. And, and I know it's not just about the knee, but it meant more that it was very simple wear and tear. He's like, wear this brace on your knee since your knee does hurt the most right now. And let us know how it is in six weeks or something. Yes. That, that, yeah. Those kind of things are, they are devastating. The most they devastating. Really because like you said, you, you, literally are like preparing this monologue Mm -hmm. and you put so much into it because to them it's like you know this to you it's your life and like you said you're going 10 years undiagnosed and you know something's wrong so and we've been in this situation you know very similar situations mm -hmm. before that you're you don't know how to completely express or get the words out that all you go through on that day-to-day basis and it needs to be taken so seriously when you know something isn't normal that you shouldn't be in you know this much pain or this this constant fatigue or whatever it may be and then that's not being validated and heard yeah it's crushing it, it, it's really just crushing, crushing because you know I think oftentimes people think that people with chronic illness complain all the time and we truly think it is the polar opposite if we talked about the pain we were in the, you know mm-hmm. the, how sick we were feeling we just wouldn't stop talking about it so we mention mm-hmm. it such a small fraction of the time. So if you're saying something to a doctor, mm-hmm. there's so much weight behind that because you're saying it maybe a thousandth of the time that you think about it. Like it's just on your mind 24 mm-hmm. seven. So those are the kind, those are the worst situations when, you know, you're seeing this. And it's funny because probably some of the worst doctor's experiences we've had mm-hmm. have been the hardest to see specialists, the ones yes. that take the most oh, weight to see. Completely. And they usually go the worst. Yes. Certain neurologists or certain cardiologists who I'm just like so thankful the appointment day is finally there. And then I literally you've left like crying and yeah. just it's, it's a blow. Those are the worst mm-hmm. because you kind of hear from, you know, 
other doctors or mm-hmm. someone trying, oh, this reputation of this person. So you, you go in thinking, okay, if anyone's going to know, it's this person. And then if they don't know or they don't listen to you, it's a huge feeling of defeat because you go, okay, well, now what? Now where do I turn? Mm-hmm. Like if that was, you know, the person who I waited six months to see and it went so bad, you're starting from square one. Yeah, and you just feel so alone in it too because it's us, you know, a medical professional, you expect them to be there and listening to you. I mean, that's their job in essence. So it's it's really... Yeah, really beyond upsetting when that isn't met. Those expectations are, yeah. I think, very reasonable. They're not, you know, you're not expecting maybe a cure that day or anything like that, but just to be heard and listened to. And, and that's you the know. thing, too. We're not mm-hmm. fighting to say, this is our diagnosis. Because we yes. don't go in saying, this is what we have. Mm-hmm. We never come from that point. So when we're saying they're not listening to, it's not in the sense they're not listening to what we think we have. They're not, when we say they're not listening, maybe they're not listening to the symptoms that we're describing or mm-hmm. what our typical day-to-day looks like. So it's not kind of putting trust in our words, not what, mm-hmm. we're not playing doctor in the sense that we're telling them, yeah, we're not, we you know, have so-and-so. WebMDing, like, this is this and, you know, we have this, it's just simply maybe medication yeah. isn't working for you or I've had I've had that being dismissed before where I'm like I can't tolerate this it's making my symptoms worse I'm like oh that's impossible I'm like well it's happening to me I don't you know <laughs> I don't know. yeah I, you know, that's happened with a cardiologist before and she put me on I think 17 different pills in one summer and I was in the ER in and out constantly and then the next doctor I had was like you know what you have a cytochrome mutation you got me tested he's like yeah you are absorbing more medicine than you should be or you know whatever it may be for me so I am sensitive and the other doctors wasn't listening so, so what Kate mentioned mm-hmm. is a cytochrome mutation. Mm-hmm. So say if you're taking a pill, and I'm just going to say like a Xanax, because that's the first thing that's coming to my mind. If, if someone with a cytochrome mutation maybe takes one Xanax, Kate could feel it maybe eight times as much as a normal person. Or if someone has a different mutation, mm-hmm. they might feel it in eight mm-hmm. of what a normal pe- person would feel. So there's a huge variation. Wow. So... One doctor did more in-depth testing to find out why she was reacting so strong to these heart yeah, medications. But just him believing me that, oh yeah, you might be more sensitive to something. Or the doctor I had the summer prior was like saying, literally said that's impossible. And I was taking like fractions of a pill and I'm, I'm telling him my heart rate is skyrocketing. I meant the ER, this isn't working for me. And just completely said, no, I have, a, I have another POTS patient. They're on this and yeah. they're feeling fine from it. And then, you know, just... That type of mentality when they're not open to listening to you, those are really yeah so hard. And that wasn't at the beginning of my diagnosis too. So I didn't know better. I didn't know, you know, not every POTS patient needs to be on the same thing. Yeah. I do think that there is a difference between being an advocate for yourself and mm-hmm. then basically demanding um, that, yeah, the difference between listening versus um consideration I need to find better words for this but I I truly believe that every relationship um each person is 100% responsible I don't think it's a 50-50 I think um each person has the ability to um make that relationship work even if that means that they're not interested in the relationship so they leave and and I say this because if a patient comes into the room advocating through the eyes of I'm right you're wrong then that doesn't work either. It doesn't work for either side, right? Yes. Um, so I will tell you, um, and, and you kind of alluded to this, that doctors really hate being used as um, prescription writers 
-hmm. right? Or like dealing with patients who, who claim to know more than they do. But the truth is we both know um, in a sense, equal amounts, just different things. Like we as patients know our experience as experts and they are experts in their medical knowledge. Yes. Um, so recognizing that both people have something to bring to the table and it being a partnership because uh, I, I obviously very pro advocating for yourself and advocating for other chronic illness warriors. But I think that word needs to be broken down a little better and showing mm -hmm. like you have a voice and, and you should, you should make that voice known, but it shouldn't just be yours. In no, there. That's really the whole partnership thing that's so important in that whole trust factor, because, you know, we have doctors now where, you know, we'll say they said this and I, I trust that I believe this app is going to, you know, help for us. And it's really just a respect on both ends that you know, they're listening to you and they're taking what you say uh, is, you know, true for yes. us, but what they say too is also extremely valid and they have that knowledge when you find someone that you trust. Oh, that's, I mean, it's gold, really. Yeah, is. that's, mm -hmm. so we kind of feel like it's our job to, as patients, mm -hmm. to get to a doctor who we trust so they can do the medical side of things and it's not us because we're dealing with enough. You're, as a patient, mm -hmm. as someone chronic, you're dealing with so much. We don't need to be trying to do the medical side of things. Our job is to find someone who listens to the validity of the mm -hmm. words we're saying when we're talking about what we're feeling and that's it. And then, the, you know, to listen to them and to trust them if they're doing the medical side of things, if what they mm -hmm. think, because we're never going to know that much. We're not doctors. You, yeah. You need, and you shouldn't have to be, we yeah. all end up becoming somewhat medically trained, I think yeah. during yeah. the process, but yeah, we're not supposed to be. Um, we're not supposed to be trying to diagnose ourselves. That's exactly. yeah. Um, so there, there is a definitely a difference there. And actually, going back to the presentation, I um, so I, I told them how I had this experience with a doctor who should have been great, who I was sent to, uh, but they were just so wrong for me. And it was a month later that I went to a neurologist who actually ended up diagnosing me. And I thought to myself, what? what was the difference here? Why did this guy diagnose me and this guy couldn't diagnose me? And they both had equal capabilities. And I mean, there was hypermobility and fibro, but still. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that he, this, this second doctor, the neurologist was exactly what I had been looking for, but I didn't really know I was looking for him. I found that I wanted someone who was really investigative, mm -hmm. um, someone who was compassionate, but analytical. And, um, and then someone who would ask me about other things outside of my medical history, someone who would actually ask about me. And that's how he, it was like, I think the first doctor that really understood what it meant when I said, I've been dancing for 15 years. Like I didn't, I didn't know to tell a lot of doctors that yeah, because yeah. it wasn't necessarily medically relevant, or at least I wasn't aware of it because that's not my job. Yeah. Um, and once I said that, the, you know, the snowball or the ball started to sno snowballs yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and he was the right one to diagnose me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would have been so much easier if I had known what I wanted and then looked for the, that exact person. Mm -hmm. Um, which I mean, in essence is what we're, we're trying to do at Wellacopia. Uh, so 
I said this story during the presentation today, you know, the first slide that was like, well, Agobia, woo. Mm -hmm. The second slide, I just put the word trust. Yeah. And that was it. So I was mm -hmm. like, this is foreshadowing for everything I'm about to talk about. This is all about trust and two-way trust, like you, yeah. you mentioned. It is, that was another theme I spoke about throughout was um, this goes both ways. Completely, it does. Mm -hmm. Oh, you hear that? <laughs> I don't hear anything. No. Uh, car alarm. Oh no, I can't hear All good. <laughs> Such is life. Yeah. Um, so outside of helping people navigate their healthcare from a services standpoint, uh, I know that you guys also like to try out a lot of different products and recommend those. Um, and it should be noted that uh, M and Kate are do not take sponsorships. This is purely because they want to uh, analyze these products, see what works for them, and then share that with other people. Yeah. Um, that, so that's kind of that just kind of evolved because I think when you're diagnosed with something, you kind of feel, in a sense, powerless and we weren't necessarily into health or nutrition mm -hmm. before we actually got sick. Yeah. And it gives you, it gave us a feeling of empowerment that, you know, such and such is out of your hands, but you can still control your life to an extent and you can still be as healthy as you can be in other avenues mm -hmm. or you give yourself the best chance to feel well exactly. by doing this. So it just kind of became a general interest of ours. And I, I just personally love, you know, researching everything under that kind of umbrella of, you know, new devices or wellness or supplements. That's just a, mm -hmm. of in, an interest of ours. So that was just an avenue that we went down, you know, as we kind of progressed with um, being ill in a sense, because it's, mm -hmm. it what, it's what made us feel like we could take a little bit of control over our situation. Completely. And it really just kind of evolved into kind of a passion for both of us that we really do have such an interest in. It's amazing how, you know, some things can really make a big difference yeah. in our lives. And we found a couple, you know, specific products that we always have in our purse now. And we, it's kind of our little uh, defense kit of sorts, you know, that things really help us when we're out there in the world. And we know, like, having this with us will help if we're feeling, you know, nauseous or um, dipping from something and a little, you know, kind of a kit of sorts. Yeah. We always say that. Because I, mm -hmm. comfort is very very important to us because mm -hmm. um you're not feeling well you want to feel as comfy as possible you want to have things close to you that if you're not feeling great that you it's reassuring that this can help in such and such ways and you know it's nice if you find something natural that can be done through you know Kate mentioned Fred light or mm -hmm. whatever it may be that could treat something without you know taking an extra pill or we're in no way anti pills. We're on a bunch of medications each, but you know, if you if you could do something, mm -hmm. you know, if you can take CBD, that's going to help your headache or whatever. That's awesome, and we love trying that stuff and giving kind of honest reviews about is this helping us? What is this treating? Yeah. What have we noticed? You know, and with from this? before, some things really have helped them, and so, like I, I can't stand or vice yeah. versa certain things that really she can't be without, and then I. So just like an example. So I'm going to say there's two. I don't So, um, is it peppermint oil? Yeah. Okay. So I always have peppermint oil. I literally have it like right here next to me. Um, and I think 
for me personally, if I'm nauseous or if I have a headache or if my adrenaline's going high from pots and I feel like I can't breathe, I love smelling peppermint oil or rubbing it on me. I think it's wonderful. She cannot stand it. For me, it's a trigger sense for, I guess, mast cell. Yeah, I get chronic migraines. I can't stand certain scents. We've had many mm-hmm. fights in the car where it's an enclosed space and I'm using it and she's saying, stop, I don't feel good. And I'm saying, I need it because I don't feel well. So that's one thing that, you know, really, really works for me. And I'm always mm-hmm. telling people if they're nauseous, like, oh, have you tried peppermint oil? Because I wish I found out about it way earlier. And then another thing is I really like heat for muscle pain or I I really get a great um relief yeah. of pain from that and heat really fluctuates for me sometimes I feel great from it and sometimes it makes my pots so much worse and I feel so sick from it so and constantly is always heat and I you know, oh, I always have a heat pack yeah, on me or that crazy so we definitely so we have different things that work yeah. for us and different things that we've tried that you know this is kind of amazing too considering how similar our diagnoses are that we do have such different uh likes and dislikes yeah so Mm -hmm. we love to put out you know what's working for Mm -hmm. us or because just something small if it does provide relief to someone it's Mm -hmm. wonderful and I truly you know love sharing tips that have helped me because it's stuff we've learned along the way and it can make that kind of stuff can make such a massive impact to symptoms that are plaguing you and me daily life mm-hmm. so um and what Kate mentioned also it's it does give you this huge sense of comfort or feeling like oh you can get through something if you have these items whatever they mm-hmm. may be that can help alleviate anything it might help you feel like you can get through a day of work you can get mm-hmm. through a long day you have to go out with a family for activity just whatever it may be that typical life stuff um so we kind of stress the importance of finding what works for you and then keeping it with you. So you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, have everything here at home. You can pack a couple items and take on the yeah. outside world. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my little bag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I put this in my, my backpack, which I pretty much take everywhere or it's by my desk. Um, and I have uh, definitely NSAIDs in there. Um, I try not to use painkillers as much as possible because otherwise then I have to then it's a whole thing, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I do have them in case things are really bad. Um, I always have lip balm. Um, I always have actually melatonin because I have a lot of, um, uh, insomnia, uh, unfortunately. And so like, if I'm not home, that'll, I really helps. Um, I do have various essential oils, CBD, which I love. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and floss, but that I feel is a very big thing for me. Because when stuff is stuck in my teeth, I know it's it's so small, but we're talking about discomfort. For some yeah. reason, that really bugs me. Oh, it's like whatever works. Yeah, whatever little pro- thing provides you a sense yeah. of relief. And we both have a little zipper bag too that we whatever yeah. it's just something that gets taken out and put back into the next bag, and it's our well arsenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I carry gum with me religiously because, like the peppermint oil, it, it just mm-hmm. I think it's great for nausea and really really helps me. And I will feel like a sense of panic if I'm out or I don't have it it just mm-hmm. you know the extra stuff will just we're all for providing comfort and just making everything paradise maybe catering mm-hmm. to you as possible because it, a lot of the time this road is very difficult so we just try to set it up where those little things really matter and they bring such a comfort it sounds silly but they really do and they help so mm-hmm. if it helps that's the best you know that's the best thing that can happen. yeah and 
we, we love sharing mm-hmm. that stuff. We mm-hmm. really if you guys uh, are you guys familiar with uh, the Chronic Babe? No, she's mm-hmm. actually um, on our podcast, and and she's sort of moving in a different direction. You actually should listen to that episode. But uh, her YouTube channel, her like um, basically her sign off was as well as possible. Yeah. Um, and I, I see you guys really following that theme mm-hmm. of okay, we have a chronic illness, but what can we do? And what is something that what's an easy way that we can make our lives that much better that will make us feel secure and that we have control and that we have a, a say in, in what's happening. And I think these little, um, these little recommendations um, are really so much bigger in impact than we think they are. Completely. They hold so much weight. And it, yeah. Because um, chronic illness, you're not going to feel well a lot of the time. And it's, no, it's just the least enjoyable kind of feeling. So anything we can do to take the edge off in any way, that's mm-hmm. a huge appeal to us. And it, it truly has developed into a personal hobby of trying mm-hmm. out any kind of avenue, anything that can make you feel better in any way, because people you know, say health is the most important thing, but it truly is. So everything kind of directs and points to that mm-hmm. for us. And we're always kind of down to try anything, or I am a little bit more. She's more. Kate's a little more conservative mm-hmm. in kind of what she'll try. But if I'm, I'm, all the kind of the, the weirdest kind of things I hear it always appeals to me because I just want to mm-hmm. see, you know, what happens. Does anything help? Yeah. Kate, I get more claustrophobic. Yeah, with certain Kate things. Pulls back a little more. But yeah, we just. Mm-hmm. It's true what you said. The smallest things can have the biggest impact and make you feel mm-hmm. so different in how you approach. You know maybe life outside your home where you have everything set up and more catered to you. Yeah. And we're all about being as proactive as we can. Yeah. You know, so sometimes this, especially more so in the beginning, just felt so out of our hands, so out of our control. And to a big extent it is still, um, but little things and little adjustments that we can make with our diet Mm -hmm. and just little things. And we like to show that because so we both have something called mast cell activation syndrome or mast cell activation disorder. And for some reason, this is not very well known about at all, even less so than POTS, but it affects a ton of people who have POTS and mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't, but it kind of makes your, everyone has mast cells and it, and they will react to basically everything under the sun, but it means your body has a really hard time breaking down histamine. So when we found that out and we found that out through our cardiologist, we mm-hmm. were able to kind of tweak the way we ate. And that made such, such a big difference for us, mainly Kate, because she was really, really suffering with it. Yeah, that was, that was like huge, just like light bulb moment for, for me when that was introduced. And just, I mean, now it seems almost second nature, but those, those adjustments, little things like that really plays such a huge role especially what you what you consume because we were mm-hmm. at, we were at a point where so when you have mast cell and maybe you're um not on the proper diet or not avoiding the things mm-hmm. you might be avoiding your body is acting like it's having an allergic ra- reaction to everything because it's in that mode where you're not mm-hmm. drinking out histamine so you kind of are having allergic reactions to everything everything pretty much has histamine in it. You can't avoid it. So it's just about how your body processes it. We weren't really processing it well. Mm-hmm. Kate was in and out of the ER feeling like everything she ate, she was having horrible reactions to. So at that point, 
We were avoiding literally every restaurant. She wasn't comfortable eating anywhere. I was trying like different, I, I was like some, there there wasn't a pattern, which is the crazy thing. So I was like off dairy, off soy, off nuts, and then certain foods would be fine, certain foods wouldn't be fine. So you really feel almost such a heightened anxiety as well. So everything I was eating would make my throat feel like it was almost closing up and um, talk about like the whole doctor dismissal thing too, finding a doctor that was like listening to that was, and then you start thinking to yourself, like, am I, yeah, like, am I doing something? Like, what's going on with this? But uh, until you're in, uh, until you're in anaphylactic shock, it's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's real. But um, just really now finding that diet for us and finding the um, the path that works and those adjustments of yeah, there are certain foods to avoid, and now we know if we do have something, this will might make us feel sick but we can get back to our little like normal level like we always kind of reference um it's just amazing what power that gives that gives back because we were extremely Mm. limited in where we were able to go and then Mm. when we started branching out and eating out more we were then very very specific specific to maybe one spot that we knew we wouldn't react to Mm -hmm. so just kind of learning from there and then testing things out and you know we really like sharing that because it was a huge light bulb moment for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after we put that out there, we, we got some messages back that people were diagnosed after that and no one's ever mentioned it to them. And, you know, yeah. that was affecting their life in such a huge way. And even, uh, like you said, like Emma and I have some similar diagnosis. Our mom also, just from us realizing this, like she always had so many food sensitivities, was realizing when we did this low histamine diet, she did it with us and she was like, I feel like I was undiagnosed for 30 plus years and it gave her such a, yeah, I mean, and she's, she did the same thing that I was doing. She tried so many different diets, cutting out, you know, certain specific yeah. food groups and nothing worked for her. And she always said that she felt like poisoned and so sick all the time. And yeah. she, she does low histamine too now and she feels so much better. So it's really amazing just how little adjustments can really make worlds of difference. Like, yeah. That's kind of what we love our platform of to be healthy because just sharing this and hearing people um, just thank us really, which is or have the most ama- moment. amazing thing that they're like, oh my god, thank you for saying this name or sharing your symptoms um, because they can be like, wow, this this feels similar, this sounds similar. Let me check this yeah. out. Has been just the most amazing thing. Yeah, because we want we just I mean our main goal would be to put people in positions where they feel they can you know, they might have such and such condition, but they can still navigate mm-hmm. the world around them and participate it in much, as much as possible in a way that just might look slightly different than other people. Because that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, mm-hmm. still go out to eat. We might avoid this or we might, we might go out with friends and not be out as long as everyone else. But we try to make everything accessible, just maybe slightly differently. So mm-hmm. speaking of, uh, I guess, your community, what do you think is particularly special about the community that you've built and just what has that been like for you? Was that how, like how intentional was that? And I, I really think the chronic illness community in general, not just saying like people we've come in contact with through our uh, blog, but just a chronic illness community in general has such a openness to, sh- it's, it's such an accepting openness of sharing and, there's, I mean, I think people know that mm-hmm. there's there's so much weight behind the words. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't feel well or I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might not get the 
significant and extent of that. Yeah, the acceptance and really understanding has been just so, I mean, even for us, just so amazing to connect with people who get little struggles that yeah. we've gone through. It's so, it's so amazing. I mean, we put out um, a few months ago, just this little list that we made up about 12 things mm-hmm. not to say to someone with a chronic illness, because it's mm-hmm. were phrases that we were hearing over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And a lot of them were said with no malice, with yeah, good intentions of, you know, oh, you look like you look better now, or you look, you know, little things like that, um, that yeah, weren't said, mm-hmm. you know, maliciously at all, but often can kind of rub people who are dealing with pain or feeling ill the wrong way. Um, so we put that out there and it was received so well. And it just kind of shows that everyone was in a similar struggle of trying to make those around them understand about trying to, you know, show that they're not exaggerating, they're not complaining overly so. And so to to just, it's been really cool for us just to kind of connect to people who get, you know, what we say mm-hmm. and they relate to it so much because it's not something we typically get in our day-to-day life with people we know. So that has been it's, it's a really cool thing for us. And so uh, there's so much support out there it's really been amazing like you we've always had each other for support but it's amazing the strangers who are rooting for you and yeah or know. interested in what you're trying yeah, and want your take on something and, and have given us um advice and tips of you know maybe medications um or just stuff that's worked for them that we've tried and it's just amazing sharing platform yeah. which is and it's something we, we take mm-hmm. We um, kind of really respect the journey and the struggle that people are going through. And we never want to ever give something someone to do or spend money on something if we truly don't think it's going to benefit in some way. Because we know, you know, m- making money can be difficult with a chronic mm-hmm. illness. You don't might ha- not have tons of disposable income. Your whole life can be focused mm-hmm. on feeling well. So we, we know, you know, the way mm-hmm. that that kind of thing is yeah, Not to mention just how expensive having medical oh, conditions yeah. is on its own I mean, yeah. I mean our medical bills are always seems like one after the other it's con- it's never yeah. ending and um, we know people are kind mm-hmm. of going through that so we don't take you know that kind of responsibility lightly of talking about certain things or sharing mm-hmm. if we like something or not so um it just seems I know social media has a whole kind of feel of a lot of fakeness or just showcasing the best part of lives and that's you know it seems like in the this kind of community, there's a lot of realness to it because you're not showcasing the best part of life all the time. And, you know, you might showcase some of the best and then show more behind the scenes. Like, you know, okay, you might look put together and great with makeup and then show what it's like on the flare of days yeah. and that you can't get out of bed, which happens yeah. a lot. I think you guys have balanced that so well in your presence. The, the raw that like, revealing the the ugly whether that be like externally or internally but then also balancing it with the hopeful and the the positive and the um the uh basically recommendations actions you can take be proactive that's the word proactive (laughs) thank you so much Mm -hmm. I, i really appreciate that because it's um a difficult thing because part of you, you know, you don't want to complain all the time and just make it a negative thing. And, but we don't want to then show that, oh, everything's perfect. Yeah. We're doing, we're out, we're doing great. So, you know, and I think that's a struggle and a balance people deal with in their everyday life mm-hmm. that they, you know, 
don't want to seem like they're doing perfectly and great or don't want to seem completely bedridden. I think it's just that kind of struggle that people deal with all the time with a chronic illness because a lot of the time people might need that they need to feel they need Mm -hmm. to prove something to the people in their lives. Exactly. And there's a lot of, uh, I think Em and I have dealt with when we were younger, a lot of kind of almost like a guilty feeling um, when you say you feel sick or you say, um, you know, you have to cancel something and you kind of got to, so, got to cancel so many things or you kind of feel like you're letting someone down um, and there's really nothing yeah. to feel guilty about. And that's something that you, we, I still struggle with that. And oh yeah, um, we still struggle. And we, mm-hmm. we say, you know, there's, it's completely out of your hands. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. But for a long time, I, I wouldn't even like making plans at all because I felt so unreliable and unpredictable. So you just kind of show showing that and talking about it. And then so many people kind of relating or connecting to that struggle mm-hmm. that they have to deal with, that they seem flaky. They might've lost friends. Um, we've gone through all that. We've yeah. gone through all the ups and downs that comes kind of with this. And it's really hard. And we're journey. speaking, we're speaking mm-hmm. from a point where we have each other and we're super close. So we're so lucky it, going through it alone. It, you know, it makes it infinitely harder and, the frustrations are all there and all real. And um, it, it's been really cool for us to connect to people going through mm-hmm. similar things or just having that empathy to get it and know um, that there is so much fight constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I see things on Instagram all the time and it, it truly makes me feel, well, well, I can, I can get through what I'm going through because this person's going through what, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. I get that from it, which has been, a really yeah. cool, a really cool thing. You feel really inspired by so many of the. Oh yeah, just watching other people's there. fights or journeys, and you know, strength that they have, how tough they are, how what a warrior they are to go through it, and that's you know what you feel looking at all these people, and you see people with amazing attitudes, and that gives us so much in return, just mm-hmm. to um, see people going through crazy things, hospital stays undiagnosed pain and then you know having the attitude of they'll get through it that affects mm-hmm. us we love that that mm-hmm. you know makes us feel like okay yeah we can do that you know it, well. it, yeah it's a very given we get a lot out of yeah this community I feel like we get almost more than we give yeah we we and, to, and it's really since starting it it's helped really affected us in our day-to-day life being way more open about it not oh, just yeah. online but just in person and kind of owning Mm-hmm. what we're going through and not being as apologetic as we might feel the need to be mm-hmm. and just owning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been a cool transition as well. Starting to see an underlying pattern of, of everything we've touched upon today. And I feel like in summary, it's all about community partnerships and trust. Yes. It definitely. Yeah. You, you need people in your mm-hmm. corner and, um, there's I used to feel when I was going through this when I was younger that it would be even no matter how sick I was it it would be so much more bearable if everyone around you could just kind of understand luckily we have Mm -hmm. such a supportive family you know we have great doctors but you're still around a huge community friends and you, you I mean to think that the way you feel wouldn't even matter as much if people could just get it is so significant so it just shows the Mm -hmm. power that people can people can have on how you feel and if people can be understanding and can kind of 
get what you're saying or listen to you if you're trying to explain. We we will send people articles on our conditions if they're having a hard time explaining it mm -hmm. because it's really important to us that our close friends or our significant others, whoever we're with, really get that. They'll never mm -hmm. get it all the way if they're not dealing with it, but just kind of can get some of the, it's a very, it's a complex uh, things too to understand. And it was hard for us to fully get it even when we were diagnosed and there are own conditions. So just having really the insight of understanding and we've had, uh, I've talked to even her significant others in the past to try to explain it from yeah. my point of view. And yeah, you know, she's texting me for like, oh, can you, can you tell so-and-so just like kind of explain you know, if I'm having a dip, if I'm having a really bad episode, like what what that means and what that looks like. So, because sometimes people get, you know, kind of nervous or they don't know how to, um, if they want to help, how to help or something yeah. like that. So we really lean on each other too. And um, then, but once mm -hmm. you get to the point where you have people who get it and, mm -hmm. you know, if you have to cancel, they don't give it a second thought. Yeah. That's so valuable to someone who mm -hmm. feels unpredictable with help. If I have a friend like that, who's like, don't worry about it. Like I, they don't need... I mean, I, I cannot be grateful enough for people like that mm -hmm. because that you, you just don't want to feel guilty and stress on top of what you're dealing with. And people, and we do just naturally, mm -hmm. because we never want to let people down. We don't want to, you Seems know, like you're seeing unreliable, like you said before. Yeah. But so having the community, mm -hmm. having people who understand, having people who just won't add extra stress or say like, why could you do that yesterday and not today? I don't, you know, just that kind of that energy. It's just, we're, it makes such a difference. And it doesn't need to be a ton of people, but it, having just some people, having people, even if it's just online that get it is just mm -hmm. so valuable. Yeah, you just, it's really true. And we, you can't get through this uh, alone even. I mean, of course, you need another team you need, but you, the support is everything too. It, yeah. You don't want to feel isolated because um, it's an isolating feeling to go through an invisible, a chronic illness and having a community, having support, even if it's someone you've never met, it's everything. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I can guarantee everyone who's going through something like this has their days where they're just completely overwhelmed, can't mm -hmm. get out of bed, just can't, like I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you have to lean on the people who, you know, make you feel, okay, I can get through this actually mm -hmm. and give you that renewed sense of strength and hope. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been a really um, valuable thing for us as we've mm -hmm. kind of been more transparent in our life mm -hmm. and our struggle. In, uh, in maternal health or like the, uh, the equivalent for, for new moms, they, there's this term, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely true with chronic illness. And, and frankly, any tough time, it's mm -hmm. any tough time anyone goes through, they don't have to do it alone. Uh, yeah. There's always, especially thanks to uh, the internet, uh, there are always resources, always people going through what you're going through or something similar. And it is hard to take that first step, uh, but it is a step worth taking. Mm -hmm. So I want to want to thank you guys for coming on. This was wonderful. Oh, thank, thank you, you for, for creating the community that you've created. And I look forward to seeing what... Uh, what more comes from you guys? I know you just got your YouTube channel up and running and you're they're very informative and adorable at the same time. <laughs> so I'll definitely be uh, putting links to those in the show notes. So, oh, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wellacopia podcast. Now a segment of the Invisible Not Broken Network. If you haven't already, 
please take the next 30 seconds to do these three things. Hit our subscribe button, tap those stars to give us a rating, or even better, a review, and share this episode with a loved one. If you're also interested in some chronic illness-specific inspiration on a weekly basis, sign up for our hashtag Wellspo weekly newsletter. Wellspo stands for wellness inspiration, by the way. Each week on Friday afternoons, we'll send you a short email that links to uplifting stories, summaries of new research, giggle-worthy memes, and more. You can sign up for the newsletter on wellacopia.com if you scroll to the bottom of our homepage or on blog.wellacopia.com newsletter. Both links will be in the show notes. So stay tuned next week for our episode with Dr. Achina Stein, uh, as well as episodes being recorded by Monica, the host of Explicitly Sick, the podcast. If you ever want to submit a question or suggestion, feel free to send an email to chronicillnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for tuning in. Be kind, be gentle, be badass.